Welcome once again to the Conversations That Matter podcast. I am blessed to be joined today with Sean McGowan. Sean, you're not Irish, are you? I mean, with the name uh, McGowan. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, I had a, a joke. I have some students that know that I wrote a forward to the new edition of uh, of confession, the confession, and one of them just said, "Well, how'd they how'd they get you to do that? They just found the first <laughs> random Irish person that has an Irish sounding name, and they just went from there." So, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and that edition that you're talking about, I actually hold in my hand right here, uh, the Confession of St. Patrick, put out by Ixthus Publications, and you are the person who wrote the foreword, and I read this and enjoyed it. Um, it's actually very thin yes. for those who are watching. So, uh, you know, I wish I had like 200 of these to hand out to people uh, as they're going <laughs> into bars and so forth. Um, yeah. Which tells you a little bit more of how tiny the Confession actually is, if that includes my foreword too. Yeah. Uh, it's, a very, it's a very tiny book, so... Real quick, what's the other one that you said there were two published works that St. Patrick did? There's a confession, and what's the other one? Yeah, so the other one is an epistle that he wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's an epistle that he wrote, and um, basically the, the gist of the epistle is he's confronting um, a, a guy and his soldiers that uh, went and basically um, kidnapped a bunch of uh, Christian converts of Patrick's that were newly baptized converts and sold them into slavery. So it's 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 fairly early on, we think, in um, in Patrick's ministry. Um, but he's he's basically it's it's in essence an excommunication, um, huh. which 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 gives you some insight to think you know Patrick, who was once sold into slavery, is now having to confront uh, people that, by implication, are nominal Christians at least, um, who have kidnapped some of his uh, his newly baptized converts and sold them into slavery. So those are the two. It's the confession, and it's a, um, it's an epistle. Sometimes it's it's seen as like the letter um, to Caroticus uh, is the name and his soldiers, or it could be the epistola, or it can, it can come. It comes in different forms. Now um, it's interesting you just mentioned Saint Patrick was a slave, because I've been focusing a lot on this podcast on the social justice movement, especially in um, Southern Baptist circles. I know you're in uh, the PCA, yep. so you're probably seeing that same movement and. Yep. Uh, now, you know, maybe our woke brothers and sisters out there might uh, want to watch this video uh, because St. Patrick was a slave. Maybe he has something extra to tell us. But then again, he's yeah. also white. So maybe that like <laughs> maybe that takes away his status there. I don't know. But yeah, um, but I want to get into his biography a little bit for, for those who don't know a lot about St. Patrick. Maybe, um, you know, maybe you're someone who celebrates St. Patrick's Day and you have no clue why. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully this will be informative. And then. You know, I want to talk about the message of St. Patrick. What was important about him? What inspires Christians uh, from his life? And then what, what, those who aren't Christians, you know, what would St. Patrick tell them if he was around today walking around the bars on St. Patrick's Day? What would he say? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, let's start with who St. Patrick was because you put a lot of that in the foreword you wrote. Who was St. Patrick? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, St. Patrick um, was basically a Roman Briton. Um, and he lived during the time that Roman rule of, of Britain was, was on the wane, basically. So that was kind of broken at that point. Um, and his father was a deacon uh, in the church, and his grandfather was a, was a priest or a, a minister uh, in the church. And the evidence that we have, and of course, a lot of that is, is, is really, you know, bit by bit, piece by piece. We have to put things together. Um, but the evidence that we have suggests that he came from a pretty wealthy family. Uh, from a higher economic class, if you wish. Um, 
and based on his writings, he seemed to be very close with his family. Um, you know, very close. So that time that he was in, enslaved, you know, he, he talks about uh, the, the desire to be reunited with his family. And it's very difficult for him, uh, even after he comes back and then he goes back to Ireland to minister, um, just talking about his, his, uh, how much he missed his family. So he's very, seemed to be very close with his, with his family. Um, you know, he would have had a good education at that point. Uh, reading, writing, and, and, and speaking and things like that. Um, but that would have been interrupted, right? It would have been interrupted because he was, he was kidnapped and he was sold. So there were gaps in his education. Um, and, you know, presumably when he went back, he finished his education. And then when he entered the ministry, he would have been educated as well. But, but even in his writings, he seems to have this sense of uh, how inadequate his education is, you know, like how inadequate it was. And, um, and he seemed to be, you know, I hate to use modern jargon, but maybe a little self-conscious about how, um, how, how is, what his education was basically and the gaps that he had. Um, but he ends, up, he ends up escaping and going back. And, and then he, out of conviction, and he claims in his work a vision, um, a vision he has of the Irish people. He, he eventually goes back to Ireland uh, and then becomes a bishop. And of course, you know, at, at this point in time, you know, we're talking about the you know, fifth century, um, you know, bishops going back to the, to the second century with writings like Ignatius and, and others. Um, a bishop was, you know, elevated above the other presbyters and things like that. So, but this is still very on in the evolution of, uh, you know, we talk about bishops today and things like that. It would have been very different um, in some respects. But he ends up becoming a bishop. Um, and uh, another, another interesting question is, was Patrick married? Um, it doesn't really say, you know, the fourth and fifth century was really a, it was, there was a shift in Christian thinking about clergy and marriage. Um, you go back to some of the earliest clergymen were married. I mean, you could, you could think of, you know, even, even the first potential or, um, thought to be the first Pope Peter was married. Right. So, um, you know, but there, but there seems to be a shift in the, in the fourth and fifth century, really with people like Jerome and Augustine who, took a negative stance on um, clergy and marriage. So Patrick doesn't really specify uh, one way or the other, but, but he does seem to comment positively on, you know, uh, remaining celibate for Christ and, and things like that. But, um, but those are some questions that, you know, we just don't have answers to because of the limited nature of, of the, his works that we have. Um, but that's really him. He goes back to, he goes back to Ireland and he ministers um, as Bishop to, to the Irish people. So St. Patrick originally from England then? Yeah, rel- yeah, pretty much, yeah. Okay, so so he's which is which is interesting the irony of the uh not really how Irish. much how much vitriol that the Irish have towards the English in some in some respects, but um uh but yeah, virtually, yeah. Yeah, now um I pointed out I was telling you before we started recording that I specifically dressed up for this in green because now though you are irish i guess you don't need to do that you just have you know red hair and everything you pass uh you know (laughs) i'm you know english and scottish uh i mean harris is is a it's actually scotch irish so we Mm -hmm. came through there but i don't think we're actually considered like you know real irish so um (laughs) i'm trying to match you right now uh but i'm in good company because saint patrick himself was from england so i'm (laughs) i'm just as irish as saint patrick yeah uh which you know, yeah. it makes me wonder why I put all of this on because uh, I didn't need to. But anyway, uh, well, my to to you know just yeah. a little personal background. My um, 
my mother's side of the family were were actually from um uh well my my great grandfather was county down and county armagh was my great grandmother so they came from northern ireland oh, um, and had a lot of scotch irish uh roots as well and my father's side uh comes from uh, Kerry, county Kerry, ireland which is uh you know southwestern area of the republic so i have a little bit of both and if you know the the history of ireland and the wars uh, you know, the, 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 the tension between the North and the rest of the Republic. Um, I like to joke around that I have that tension building within me, I guess, <laughs> since, I, since I have both. But, Are you related so to the, the star of the county down to um, no. quote, no. quote uh, uh, the High Kings? I, I don't think they yeah. did originally, but the Irish song. See, I'm showing my, my street cred, yeah. Irish culture. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there you go. There you which go. Which is not, you know, man, it's so off topic, but uh, I sent my brother a text. I said, could you send me some recipes for Irish food? Because St. Patrick's Day is coming up. And I, I, I shouldn't probably admit this since I'm trying to prove to be Irish, but I'm not big on the corned beef. For some reason, I, maybe I just haven't had it done right, but uh, is there anything else that uh, is good out there? So he sent me like... <laughs> I had like almost 30 texts on my phone of like all the different Irish recipes. Cause he's really into it. So yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see what kind of disaster well, I come up with, but probably like a coddle of some kind. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> shepherd's pie is good too, man. Yeah. yeah that, shepherd's pie is delicious. But. You gotta have the leeks. The leeks are the key though, right? Don't you have to have leeks for, for shepherd's pie? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's so many different varieties now. I mean, people put virtually anything in it it seems so you can if you just say it's shepherd's pie i'm sure you could get away with it if now i like barbecue a lot that's my forte so is there a way to like is there a barbecue something similar in the irish palate to uh for me to make not really not n not that i'm aware of off top no i see uh -huh. i grew up you know and some of this i think is a staple of irish american uh yeah. you know I, the irish americans too i mean i had you know corned beef and cabbage and i do like corned beef the cabbage i'm not really yeah, fond of. but I did learn to make a good shepherd's pie, so that's kind of what I really stick with. So. Well, invite me over. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I this is that. just proof in my mind, though, that America makes everything better because you said yeah. they have nothing barbecue in their cuisine in in <laughs> Ireland, but as soon as they got to the United States, and especially the <laughs> Irish who went to the Appalachian Mountains, oh boy, yeah. they came up with a good taste. I have. To oh say. yeah, oh yeah. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll just, you know, gr yeah, do some barbecue in celebration of American Irish culture. On there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. And back to St. Patrick, because I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. Uh, why does St. Patrick write the confession, which is the foreword you wrote uh, was for the confession? Why does he specifically write that? Because it seems like no. he's at the end of life. And is this his life story kind of or what is it? Yeah, so the, the confession, you know, it's really, it, it's deduced from the Latin and it, and it could really be understood in three ways. And I think Patrick actually incorporates all three of those. Um, you know, it could be a confession of sin, a confession of, uh, you know, faith, right? Or, orthodox faith. And it could be confession of, of praise to God. Um, and, and Patrick actually includes all three of those. Um, he, he writes it as a defense of his orthodoxy. And, and we don't really know enough historical information to um to know the exact situation uh but he goes out and he defends his views um the charge brought against patrick has has something to do with his past uh, including betrayal of some kind um but, but that's really as far as we can go but he, he does write it to to defend himself and defend his his orthodox uh, christian views uh, and then there's times where he just breaks out in praise. It kind of reminds me of Augustine's confessions in some time, in some ways, because, you know, Augustine could be writing something and he, he just breaks out in praise yeah. and adoration to God. Right. So, so there is that in there too. 
Um, and he also uh, is, is very aware of his sinfulness. You know, I, Patrick, the a sinner, um, he, he's very aware of, of who he is in the sight of God. Um, and, uh, and, he, and he also attributes much of his mission and, and his life to the grace of God. So it's really, it's, it's really an apologetic. It's a, it's a testimony of God's grace in his life. And it's, a, it's, 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 it's praise and adoration uh, for God. So it's really all those three. Now, it seems like while you're talking, you're saying that the, you're at least implying that there's some gaps or, or some, because you're saying, you know, it seems like he was writing to defend himself as orthodoxy and so forth. Um, what, are there other sources that we can go to to find out more about St. Patrick or are we just really limited in what we know? Yeah. So um, th- those, those two are really the only two that we have of, uh, from his hand, at least that we're, that we're aware of. Um, and yeah, they do. You're right. I mean, they do have, some historical questions because of course he's writing and he's not assuming that you know he has to explain everything in his writings as if you know historians are going to go back later and ask questions so he's just he's just writing what's going on in the moment so so there are questions that we have that we just don't have answers to um but but there also is at least beginning in the seventh century um when um, Mwerku, who was an irish uh, historian and a monk um he writes a, a you know historic life of Patrick, um, and he utilizes the two sources that we have, but he also includes oral tradition. Um, and 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 Morcou was writing um, hagiography, which is you know a life of the saints basically. And in any of those works that you read, you know it includes some history. It also includes oral tradition, and 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 also things to bolster and, and um, kind of make the the saint look more impressive. So you start, you know, you start having uh, writings that are coming out that you don't know, you know, how much of this is historical, how much of this is, is oral tradition, how much of this is just pure legendary to bolster the, the street cred, so to speak, of the saint. Um, y- you don't know. So that kind of tangles the, the web a little bit more. Um, but as to sources that are valid, um, I would certainly say, you know, Marcou and the other writings uh, of Patrick are considered, you know, should be considered and should be read. Um, but if we're talking about his works and what we know is from his hand and what is more reliable, um, it would be the confession and the epistle. Um, but yeah, there are, based on your original question, there are certain certain gaps. And, you know, some of those oral traditions might be legitimate, some not, but, you know, that's something I don't think we'll ever really <laughs> be able to know. Um, at that point so now there's a canon of legend that has grown around saint patrick and you kind of ruin some of the uh i mean you just (laughs) rain on everyone's parade because you say yeah he really didn't chase the snakes out of ireland there were no snakes before he showed up he didn't really introduce christianity to ireland per se he wasn't the first one at least uh Mm -hmm. and and you know uh there's no leprechauns or pots of gold or rainbow and uh which is what a lot of people like to celebrate on St. Patrick's Day in their decor. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the, uh, is there a way, I, I should rephrase this, to differentiate between false legends, true legends? Because there are some supernatural experiences that he seems to write about. So how do you sure. navigate that? Yeah, I mean, there are some, you know, you think of the pure legendary, like Patrick, you know, like you said, bringing people back or bringing people back to life. Uh, you know, Patrick running the snakes out of Ireland, uh, using the, the shamrock to explain the Holy Trinity. 
um, you know, and having having run-ins with leprechauns. Um, you know, there, there, there are many of those out, out there, and it seems that those have developed over time, as is, as is the case with any, you know, any person that's a symbol of a country or a culture. Um, you know, you have those uh, legendary accounts that develop over, around those people, um, and it's hard to kind of decipher, you know, what, were there any remnants of truth in this, you know, and it kind of just, you know, was elaborated on over time. Um, or is it just pure fantasy? Um, so it's it's hard sometimes to to decipher those. I think I think the one that I'm always intrigued about is is what he says drove him to Ireland, and that was that he he, he had this vision, um, and in the vision, you know, he sees someone calling him to to Ireland. And he goes to Ireland. Um, it was it was it was a part of a dream that he had. So I'm 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 always curious about that because that comes from his hand. That's his own account of what drove him to Ireland. Um, so so you know that and that gets into the question, uh, especially from a theological standpoint. I think of you, know, you could talk about cessationism, non-cessationism. Um, does God still uh, reveal to people in ways um, outside of, of Scripture? Does the Spirit still reveal certain things to people in certain ways? Um, and, and those things can be, can be discussed, but I, I think we have to at least look at something from his hand, something he's claiming is what brought him to Ireland and ask questions about it. Um, whether or not you agree with, uh, that God still, um, you know, does miracles or reveals himself through visions or not. Um, it's still something that needs to be discussed as opposed to, you know, him having run-ins with leprechauns and, um, you know, things, things of that nature. Yeah, it's fascinating because he talks about also um, one of the things that stood out to me is his ability to pray in the snow without fatigue. Yeah, it was the spirit in me that allowed me to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I just you know thought I, I I tend to be more on the conservative side. Uh, I, I tend to um, you know the word cessationist uh, means different things to different people, but you know I do believe that there are apostolic gifts. And there were mm-hmm. gifts for a certain time that were around, but I, you know, I don't see anything that would contradict um, that viewpoint in what St. Patrick is saying. You know, God still does do miracles, whether gifts of certain kind exist. You know, that's another question where there are right. gifts the apostles have, but Patrick isn't claiming any of those gifts. Um, and he's saying, you know, he's not saying this is happening all the time to him either that, you know, he goes to bed and I wonder what dream God's going to give me tonight, but God seems to have called him in some way. At least he felt that way. Uh, to Ireland to preach the gospel. And um, it does he, uh, you know, as I was reading through it, uh, it seemed like you know, the gospel's there. Um, yeah. It's not the way, though, that it is often communicated in modern evangelistic circles in the United States where there's, you know, here's the three or four step plan and here's what you need to do. It, it's more built into his life. Um, you know, what was the gospel according to St. Patrick, would you say? Mm-hmm. I would say, um, you know, without getting into too much, uh, to, to, too many specifics, I think because, and part of it is because the lack of, you know, he didn't leave us a, a tract he wrote about what, you know, what the gospel was. Um, but I think putting him in historical context, he would have confessed the Catholic faith of the early church. Um, and in fact, he writes a, in his confession, he's writing to defend those uh, orthodox beliefs. Um, so he certainly wouldn't have been a modern evangelical, you know, in, with all the lingo and things like that. 
Um, but even as a even as a Presbyterian, I read some of the church fathers and that we would consider Catholic and say, yeah, they don't they don't look like they'd fit in a PCA church. <laughs> right. Right. So we have to take that into into consideration. But he would have certainly he would have certainly confessed uh, Catholic orthodoxy. Um, in that particular context. Now, when he gets uh, to Ireland, I'm yeah. sorry, I cut you off there. Finish what you're saying. No, I was just going to kind of go back to what you were saying about cessationism. And I, and I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm in um, the conservative end of that as well. And I, and I do think that there were uh, apostolic gifts that were given for a purpose and that purpose has been, has been fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I, I agree. I don't, I don't see any inconsistency um, in, in Patrick's writings with that, you know, I, I, I'm certainly a cessationist, but at the same time, I don't think the Spirit of God is is now not able to do anything, right? In, in that regard, um, it's you know, especially in a nation that that um, apparently was at least a, an in infancy with with the Christian gospel. I do think there were Christians yeah. before before Patrick, but um, so I don't think I don't I don't think it's inconsistent to say you know these apostolic gifts have been have ceased to be well, because their purpose has been fulfilled and with, uh, and with what Patrick is saying. Especially since, you know, a miracle of the human heart being made a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone anymore. I mean, that takes, you know, as Paul yeah. Washer sometimes says, there's more creative power in that than there was to create the universe, you know, universe yeah. out of nothing, but you know, you're taking something so evil and wicked and making it long after God. And so, of course, you know, all Christians believe that that miracle takes place. Um, and, and Patrick, when he gets, I'm going to pronounce this word and I'm going to botch it, but he gets to Ireland. There's the tribes called the Tuatha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did I do yeah, that right? That's good. Okay. That's good. It sounds good. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and so he makes friends essentially with these Tuatha chieftains i guess mm-hmm. um they had a very localized government which i, I read that i said oh as like my conservative instincts loved it uh there's a localized <laughs> government but so he makes friends with them and that's kind of how ireland gets more or less uh converted in mass is mm-hmm. these chieftains convert and then those under their authority end up converting mm-hmm. um to christianity and uh you know i don't i didn't read anything that they were forced or compelled um but it, it looks like from what Patrick says in the confession, it just, it was at more of a leading by example type thing. Am, am I getting yeah. it right? No, that sounds right. I mean, yeah. he certainly, he certainly took the opportunity to befriend those who were in, who were in the powerful positions. And, and, um, you know, it, it seems that he had the, he had the gospel and he preached the gospel to them and, and God worked in their hearts and, and, um, and eventually worked in the, in the people's hearts. I mean, it's, it's incredible to, to see that looking at back when you see God working in a nation, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's seemed to be his approach was um, to speak to these, to these people that not only were the, were the chieftains, but they also control, you know, they also controlled kind of the, the religious aspect of those particular tribes as well. And to see the gospel penetrate through that. Um, it was a powerful work. Now, now the gospel, and we would agree on this. I mean, simply put, I mean, the story uh, of, I mean, it's it's a it's a good news. It's a good news story that you know Christ has come to redeem mankind from sin, and you know God cannot look upon sin. God cannot accept sin in His presence at all. And and so, um, in order to be in a right relationship with God, uh, Christ Jesus comes down. He takes the penalty for sin. And those who would repent, turn from their sin and trust in Christ, 
uh, are able to go back into a right relationship, a covenant relationship with their creator. Uh, th- that's, you know, the gospel in, in mm-hmm. 30 seconds or whatever. Yeah. That's good. Um, that's good. Th- and that's what Patrick preaches. But today that message that I just articulated uh, does not seem to be anywhere in the festivities surrounding St. Patrick's day. In fact, it would seem like it is a celebration of debauchery, especially mm-hmm. drunkenness. How did we get from A to B, celebrating a man that probably, I mean, I don't know what his opinion on drinking was, but um, he, he would not have approved of what's mm-hmm. going on in many circles today. So, you know, how do, what would have happened? <laughs> well, so, so, so briefly, you know, March 17th is the, is the suppose, at least the, the, the day we think that Patrick died, and that's where it, um, that's where the 17th of March comes from. Um, and something I learned just recently, which is uh, surprising to me, is that since 1991, March has been Irish American Heritage Month, which uh, I knew a bit more recently. I didn't know it's been since 1991. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, so if you, if you fast forward, you know, 700 years or so, we already have a feast day in connection with St. Patrick in Ireland. Um, and he's seen as the saint of the Irish church. So yeah, at, at this point, Patrick's competing with, you know, people like St. Anthony in Egypt and St. Martin and, and all these other, you know, saints. Um, he's, he's competing with them as the, the, the patron saint of the Irish church. Um, and the reason it's connected with drinking, the only thing I can think of is that because it was, it was centered around a feast. It was centered around a feast. And, and, and what did people do with, uh, during a feast? They ate and they drank and they celebrated. Um, but there, there's also a big shift and again, based, you know, taken back to what we were talking about earlier on, there's also a big shift when you, when you get to, uh, the Irish coming over to America, there's a big shift in the celebrations of St. Patrick's day. Um, and I believe it was in the 18th century with the Irish that fought in the war of independence is where we have the actual you know, first celebrations, the first parades of St. Patrick's day. Um, so you see a big shift in the American, in the Irish American culture um, with the festivities and things like that. And I think, you know, quite honestly, John, it's probably connected to just what do people do when they celebrate? They drink. And unfortunately, you know, in, in, in the Irish culture, there's been that stigma that we have of uh, drunkenness connected with the Irish people. Um, so I think when you throw all that in the mix, you, you have what you have today. And just kind of what I, what I mentioned in the, in the forward, um, it's really a tragedy, I think, that you have a day that is supposed to celebrate, you know, the great saint of Ireland and everything, everything Irish and things like that. And what is the biggest thing that's connected with that day? Drunkenness. Yeah. And I can't think of any other ethnic group that we, that we take a day to celebrate them. And what do we do? We celebrate it by taking one of the biggest stereotypes that ethnic group is known for, and we make it almost a virtue to, to celebrate. Um, but that's what we do on St. Patrick's Day. And, and you're right, St. Patrick, I think, would be, um, I don't think he would have been opposed to drinking per se, as I'm not. Um, I mean, I, I think scripture's clear that it's drunkenness that we that right. we, we combat, not drinking per se. Um, but, I, but I think St. Patrick would have been appalled that a sin is connected with his name. I think you're right. 
so it, that brings me to a, another question. How do we use St. Patrick's life as a witnessing opportunity? I don't know if you've ever talked to someone who had no clue about who St. Patrick was uh, and, you know, was involved in festivities like you just mm-hmm. described. Um, but, you know, how, I mean, other than sharing this video, which everyone should yeah. do, uh, yeah. how do we use this? So I think, I think there's a couple ways to approach it. I mean, just, you know, St. Patrick is his story in many ways reminds me of, of Joseph's story in some ways in scripture. Um, you know, he was sold into slavery and look how God used Joseph. Look how God used slave, uh, uh, St. Patrick. Um, so, I mean, even, even just sharing his story with people and then connecting it to, um, you know, the gospel to who God is and, and who was this God who Patrick served and, and believed in and who, uh, you know, believed his whole life was, was, was directed under the providence of God. Um, even his life as a slave, and we can get into that. I mean, it doesn't seem that Patrick had any, um, you know, he lost a lot of bit of time as a, a lot of time as a slave in Ireland. And he doesn't seem to have any anger toward God, um, any bitterness toward the Irish people. No reparations. Uh, no, no reparation. Uh, none of those things. It doesn't, it doesn't come out. Uh, he, he just acknowledges who he is. He's a sinner in the sight of God, and everything he has in life is, a, is from God's gracious hand. Um, and I think, you know, however you do it, however you approach it, I think using those, uh, taking those things and, and presenting them to people can be po- a powerful apologetic and a powerful uh, witnessing opportunity. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, there's 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 plenty of ways you can. But just just his life in general, and and um, and his his constant recognition of how much he was a sinner, um, how much he needed God God's grace, could be an excellent opportunity to say, you need God's grace too. <laughs> right. I was thinking practically. You know, I've never done this. I know a church that I um, have been part of for years. They'll go to St. Patrick's Day parades and things and hand out tracks and things like yeah. that. Um, but I thought, you know, practically speaking, maybe asking someone, maybe I'll do that on Sunday, just asking someone who looks like they're part of these festivities, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, maybe, or just someone on the street. If I get an opportunity, you know, uh, who was St. Patrick or, um, why do you celebrate St. Patrick's day? Why do do you do this? Why do, why do you do it? Why, what are you celebrating? And then just see what they say. And then, uh, you know, opens the door. Well, do you know anything about St. Patrick? Well, let me explain to you who St. Patrick was. And you can weave the gospel right into that. Sure. Uh, This was the message that Patrick was communicating. This is um, why Irish people today are part of Christendom or or they claim to be. So, um, (laughs) yeah, yeah. they used to, they used to be, (laughs) they used to just like the United States. That's right. Yeah. Um, so last question for you, uh, you're, you're a man, I'm a man. Uh, I have talked about this problem before, but it, it does not seem like there are as many role models as there used to be quite a, quite a deficit out there uh, for role models who are masculine, who are Christian. Um, in fact, the, the Christian in the media is, if there's a male Christian, they're made fun of, they're the weakling, they're the bigot, uh, you wouldn't want to be them. And St. Patrick still has, because of his holiday, there's still a, a sort of a status that he has, historically speaking. Um, I was struck when I was reading through the confession of how manly St. Patrick was. Uh, I just wanted you to speak about that for a moment, just for men in particular. Uh, what kinds of 
inspirations can we be drawing from St. Patrick in our own lives and applying? And um, how can we look to him as a role model? Goodness. I mean, just, just in his confession alone, um, as a, as a man of God, uh, his constant, uh, recognition of who he was in the sight of God, right? He understood who he was in the sight of God. He was a sinner who needed divine grace. Um, everything he does, right? Everything he does, his motivation is for God's glory, right? It's, it's, it's because of God's grace and it's for God's glory. Um, his emphasis on, on praising and, and, and his adoration of God. I think these are things that um, men don't want to do anymore because it makes them look weak, right? Or, or it makes them look uh, vulnerable. But, but you're right. Patrick was a man's man. I mean, who else would do what he did to try to escape Ireland and go back home? I mean, you know, the things he had to go through, you know, all those things um, that takes a strong person to do. Uh, but at the end of the day, he, he, he knew who he was. He was a sinner. He was uh, he, he needed God's grace um, and he was doing everything he did for for the glory of God. Um, also, in his epistle, I mean, he, he was not afraid to confront sin. Right. He, he wasn't afraid to confront sin. Um, and to call it out when it needed to be called out. Um, he didn't back down to controversy, and neither should we back down to controversy. Um, Amen. You know, this is a, this is a, you know, this, the person he's calling out and his soldiers, these are, these are strong men, but he's calling them out for what they did. No, you, you, you took your Christian brothers and sisters and you sold them into slavery. You need to repent. Um, in fact, by doing that, you've excommunicated yourselves, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so he, he didn't, he didn't back down to those things at all. And I think that's something that we've lost as, as men too. We're, 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 we're afraid to be controversial when it needs to happen. Now, I, I think there are people that stir up controversy for the sake of just stirring it up. Right. right. I mean, there are people like that. And, and with the internet, there's, <laughs> there's millions of people like that. But when it comes to sin and when it comes to issues of the gospel, um, we don't back down. And, and, and no matter what we're called, right, we need to, we need to um, stand up for what's right and stand up for the truth. And Patrick did that. Um, and also, you know, there, as I said before, there's, there's no indication in Patrick of bitterness. Um, he was a, he, he was kidnapped and sold as a slave, uh, and you don't see any of that come out in, in anger towards God. Why did you allow this to happen to me? You know, woe is me, kind of thing. You, you don't see any of that, um, and you don't see any indication of of anger toward the Irish people. You see love for the Irish people. Um, so he he wasn't one that threw pity parties. Uh, as as our culture tends to do today, um, he was one that acknowledged his lot in life was given to him by God, and he was going to honor God in whatever it was. And he actually was able to take something wicked in his life, right? I think we would say it's an evil thing for someone to kidnap him and sell him into slavery, right? You're engaging in man stealing at that point. Um, but he took something that was evil and he turned it into something that brought glory to God. And I think, I think, you know, men, us, especially Christian men, we need to hear those things 
because there's a tendency uh, in in the Christian in, in Christian men to be uh, to not stand up for truth, to kind of just back down and take our place in the midst of all the other men that aren't standing up for anything, um, and and also contentment and and not any uh, bitterness or woe is me kind of pity parties, you know, accept our lot in life and what God has given us, be thankful and do everything we have with everything we've been given um, to the, do everything with everything we have to the glory of God. Yeah, that's a good word. Amen. Yeah. So humility, uh, sacrifice, standing up for truth. Um, I just, I mean, praying in the snow for hours, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, there's some physical, yeah fortitude yeah. going on here as well and and even just making friends with all these warrior chieftains i mean i would have been scared to death i think <laughs> um i mean i've seen Braveheart, so you know yeah. i know yeah. all about that uh but uh yeah the confession of saint patrick uh it's actually i mean you can get versions of this free online you can just go look up this confession you of saint can. patrick but yes. you just won't have yes. sean's sean's great forward so you want to go and pick up this version because it has sean mcgowan's forward and you get to hear what he has to say about St. Patrick uh, from ixthispublications.com. Uh, Sean, uh, any final thoughts? No, I, I appreciate the time that, uh, that, that you've given me, and, and I just enjoyed being on here and talking about a saint that I think is, is lost and shrouded in mystery sometimes. We, we seem to know a lot about him, but we really don't know a lot about him. Um, so I, I, you know, any opportunity I get to talk about someone that, that God used, and I think I bring that out in the book, or I try to at least, the forward that um that that patrick would want everybody to know this was something god did not mm. not elevating him right this is something god was working in his life and he 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 went patrick was sold into slavery for a purpose um in in the plan of god and that purpose was to um you know, eventually bring the irish people and the irish nation uh, to to know Christ. So um, I think it's important to not get lost in that. And this is, this is for the glory of God. And then Patrick would want people to know this, his life was for the glory of God. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I mentioned at the beginning, I've been doing some videos on the social justice controversy, infiltrating Christian circles and um, from the life of Joseph, what God meant for evil or what, sorry, I just misquoted the Bible there. Uh, <laughs> what you meant for evil. There we go. <laughs> yeah. People are going to accuse me of hyper-Calvinism now. People, people will uh, edit that out. People yeah. will edit that out. He thinks God's the author something. of sin. What you meant yeah. for evil, what Joseph said to his brothers, God meant for good. What you meant yeah. for evil, God meant for good. And we see that in the life of St. Patrick. And I wish a lot of more of the social justice warrior types would consider that principle. Bad things happen. That's part of the curse of sin. It's life. St. Patrick went through it. And look what God did uh, and used, um, used that. So... Uh, thank you, Sean. Once again, that was excellent. Uh, look forward to a good St. Patrick's Day, and I'll be um, waiting in anticipation for your invitation uh, so I can come over and have some shepherd's pot. So. Amen. Sounds good. Thank you, brother. Appreciate right. it. of being upsold at gyms 
my guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.